Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. And then there were two. Brody Grundy, number two in my 50 most relevant. It's a pretty big statement to say that someone is more relevant than Brody Grundy. And we'll talk about that player tomorrow. But has there ever been a time where we have a player that has gone 120 across their career, across multiple formats, at such incredible value and clear scoring pathway as what Brody Grundy has for us in 2024? I'm not too sure there are many players that offer what Grundy has done and fully fit coming into a new year, but that's exactly what he presents for us in the fantasy footy community in 2024. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and I trust you have been enjoying this series so far. A look at who I think, ultimately, it's a subjective list, the 50 most relevant, are the most relevant players that we must have conversations about for AFL Fantasy, Supercoach, and Dream Team in 2024. Joining me on this podcast episode yet again, a man that we've had right throughout the preseason. I know you've loved his content. You've started to hear him across a multitude of different content creators because they're all picking up just how much quality this bloke is bringing to the fantasy footy community. Vamps, good to have you on this episode. And my oh my, Brody Grundy looms as, in many people's eyes, a no-brainer selection, but a potentially fascinating player to look at in 2024. Oh, he certainly is, uh, MJ. Thanks again for for having me on. And yeah, delighted to talk about uh, Grundy, who, as you mentioned, number two on the fifty most relevant. I, I think I've got a sneaking suspicion who number one might be, and and I'm not going to begrudge you for that decision. But as you said, one of the original ruck pigs. It wasn't that long ago. This guy was averaging a, a hair under one twenty five. Can you believe it? And as you rightly pointed out, moving into a situation this year where he's not only healthy, but as we'll get into, his circumstance and, and subsequently his role is going to be just exactly what we want it to be. And when you look at what he's currently priced at, that's why he's most relevant. A seasonal average of 86.2 in Supercoach, just the four tons last year. There's certainly a reason for that scoring regression contrast to what he'd previously done. A price point at just over 480,000. Still a top score for us of 144, displaying that that ceiling of scoring is still there when given that opportunity to ruck solo, while a 179 is a career-high average in Supercoach. Over in Dream Team and Fantasy, he's under 700K, which is incredible when you think about that some of the top-end premiums are well north of a million dollars. He's nowhere near that. Three tons, 75 seasonal average, a 119, a top score from last year in those two formats, and a 181 in a career high score. Vamps, we probably don't need to spend too much time looking back at what this season was for us because anybody that's in any amount of time Playing football, fantasy, super coach, dream team, draft stars, whatever you want to play. We're very, very familiar with what Brody Grundy has been and the narrative for why last year was such a down season. Melbourne had such this grand plan that they would get this two-headed ruck monster, that they would be able to use Gorn a little bit more sparingly and you could build a case that Grundy actually helped protect Gorn for that late push into the year and the finals that was ultimately unsuccessful. But really, 
the experiment didn't work. So much so, Grundy faded out of the season, faded out of the best 22, and now finds himself at Sydney. But we did see some glimpses last year that the Ruck Pig, as you mentioned, still has some fantasy chops about him. In the three games he played without Max Gordon, it was the Brody Grundy of old, a 138 average in Supercoach. So right up at that top end of the tree and a triple figure average in AFL fantasy. It gives us in the community and coaches as we look towards 2024 and beyond, we don't have to go back to the pre-COVID era of 120 plus seasonal averages like you mentioned, that there is still enough confidence that there is scoring potential and scoring pedigree here in this new Sydney Ruckman. Yeah, you're exactly right. And as you uh, as you pointed out, in those few games without Gorn last year, I think he he went at about that 100 point per game mark. And and interestingly, in those games, it wasn't as if he was getting an enormous amount of ruck contests that we typically saw in his peak years at Collingwood. In those few games last year, he was getting around that 65 to 70% ruck contest, which, again, well below what we're sort of used to him um, doing when he was at the Pies in a, in a solo row. Well, he was often getting 80 to 90%. So even in what one might describe as a, a limited solo ruck role last year, he still went at triple figures. Interestingly, um, when you look at Jaden Papowski's sort of worthwhile average for what Brody Grundy should should average to perhaps um, qualify as what one might deem as a as a good pick. He's suggesting that in order to to pick him, you want him going at an average of right on 100, which is, again, exactly what he did um, last year in those few games without Max Gorn. The thing is, though, he's priced at 75. So yeah. it's hard to see him going at a less than 100 mark. We can debate about what he might do um, sort of well, sort of above that, but he's got a lot of value built in, which is why he's so so popular at the moment. And in Supercoach, it's about ten points per game higher, so you can elevate the work that Jaden's done in the AFL fantasy community to just kind of add ten points per game to to help that parallel kind of move across. Let's look at quickly into 2022 and 2021, because again, 2020 was such a weird year with how scoring was impacted. In AFL fantasy, you're doing this multiplication of 1.25 to try to get something normative, while in Supercoach, the scaling was so much more heavily accelerated due to limited quarters that we had available, we were seeing much more dramatic and drastic swings. So to hope and expect he goes back to those 2017, 2018, 2019 scoring, while a, prof- a possible, let's not put that in the probable expectation. Let's look at 2022 and 2021 to see if there's anything data-wise for us there. In 2022, an average of 93.3 in AFL Fantasy and 103 in Supercoach. He attends 84% center bounces across the season, and it was an injury-interrupted season that really stalled him through there and was going at a 46% hit-out win. So reasonable enough, but the year prior, a 106.4 in AFL Fantasy, 115 in Supercoach, 80% CBAs, really big pickup rate in contrast to what he did in 2022, winning 53% of the hitouts and the ruck stoppages that he was attending. But in those two years, Vams, we did start to see his role dynamically change a little bit. Darcy Cameron came on the scene and certainly once he emerged at the back of 2022, that was very noticeable. But even before that, 
Darcy was starting to hedge his way and impacting to what we saw Rudy Grundy deliver for us. Yeah, you're exactly right. And as you alluded to in those sort of prime 2018, 2019 years when he was at his absolute peak, Grundy was attending, you know, 80, 90% of ruck contests. He had the role completely to himself for all intents and purposes. Whereas in that sort of 21, 22 range, and we first started seeing it in 2021, the emergence of sort of Darcy Cameron in the side. And all of a sudden you started to see Brody Grundy, um, you know, those ruck contest numbers come down to around that 70 to 80% mark, which look still a prominent role, but Darcy Cameron sort of attending 20 to 30% of those ruck contests, it did kind of subdue some of those ceiling scores from, from Grundy. And I think that was really well highlighted in 2021. I went and had a look at that, at the data, the ruck contest data for that uh, Collingwood season in 2021. And, and this is what I sort of came up with in those 10 games where Grundy was clear solo ruck and had higher than 80% ruck contests. His average in those 10 games, so a reasonable sample size, was 119. So wow. we have this perception that, you know, 2021, 2022, he was starting to decline. And I'd I'd push back on that, perhaps that perception and suggest, I don't think it was him necessarily declining. It was Darcy Cameron eating into his role a little bit. So again, just to, to reiterate that point, in 10 games in 2021, when Grundy had greater than 80% of ruck contests attended, his average was 119 in those games. In the other 10 games, where Cameron gave him you know, far more of a chop out, and Grundy, when you sort of eyeball, he was averaging about 70% of ruck contests in those in those 10 games. His average dropped to 94. So that's what sort of subdued that overall average to about that 106 mark. But again, it highlights that in that real solo role where he's attending just about every ruck contest. And maybe we can, you know, we can debate whether that's even possible for him at this sort of later stage of his career in Sydney. But even in, you know, when he does attend those ruck contests at such a high clip, he can score anything. And and as we sort of suggested earlier, you know, priced at 75, if we can get anything north of 100, that's a huge win. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What we do in the rucks in 2024 with the structure and the players we select ultimately will drastically change the shape of our other 28 selections. We had a big deep dive conversation. I think it might be the longest episode of the 50 most relevant I've ever done with someone when Kane and I were speaking about Tim English. Like if you go full set and forget structure and go English and Marshall this year, a viable and valid approach. Well, that drastically changes what you're doing at M1, M2, D1, let alone what you're doing in the forward line probably anyway. Brody Grundy feels like just this simple, easy pick. I look at the ownership percentage at the moment. It's 51% in AFL Fantasy, 62% in Dream Team, 66% in Supercoach, and it's much higher in the active component of the community of either completed teams or, or coaches that are on the more serious scale of trying to win it overall. What's your read on this 
ruck dynamic? Is there as little as three options that we can really pick? Is it the fantastic ruck five of English, Marshall, Gorn, Grundy, and Cherry? How do you see this ruck line structuring up? And where does Grundy sit in the mix for us? I suspect this is the reason why Grundy's number two on the on the 50 most relevant. It's because he clearly represents value. There's no debate there, right? And so, as we've just uh, sort of highlighted, it, it's got plenty of of value built into his into his current price. So, but the reason why I think he's so high on this list is because what you decide to do in the rucks is in large part going to dictate what you do elsewhere. You know, particularly either in the midfield or up forward. It's a very, I think, a unique year, certainly compared to last year, where last year we had all these premium forwards. We had a couple of you know, premium rucks that we could all choose, and then we went very, very light in the midfield. This year it's completely different. We have, as, you know, as we'll get into, multiple options in the ruck, including a few extremely you know, um, you know, value options as well. We have no options up forward, really, um, that many of us are really comfortable with. So the question then becomes, like, where do we spend our money? And this is why you know, some of us are perhaps uh, you know, questioning even the, the Grundy um, selection, because you can feasibly move up to a Marshall, move up to an English and not have to cop the buy. So as you said, like, we've got these particularly a few very key value options, and I would sort of... Um, you know, name them as as Gorn, obviously Grundy and and Tristan Cherry as well. And I think how we decide which of those two, and you know, perhaps even English and Marshall, which we can get onto as well, but how we choose which of those two value options is going to again decide um, or dictate what we do for the for the rest of our for the rest of our team. And uh, you know, we, we've just mentioned with, with with Grundy, he's got but you know, priced at seventy five. You'd think at least 25 points per game upside into in him, perhaps even another five points per game on top of that as well. You know, we've got someone like Max Gorn priced at 92. You know, you know, if he goes at 105 to 110, let's split it in the middle and go 107. There's 15 points per game upside. You got Tristan Cherry priced at 65. You can easily see a world him going 85 to 90. There's another 20, 25 points per game upside. And then, as we just mentioned, Grundy also about twenty-five points per game outside. So, how do you decide between you know, a, a, you know, which two of those you want to go? And I would probably you know split it up into into three different sort of categories in terms of how you decide. One is the value, and we'll all have our own projections. And so, I've just sort of listed how I think a few of these guys could go. So you'll have your own projections, and that will be one determinant. Um, the other one would be structure, and as we've yeah. just said. You might not like, you know, some of your forwards and you might want to spend up a little bit more in your forward line from perhaps a little bit of, um, you know, if you think it's safe to go a, a Jackson McRae or if you think it's safe to go a Flanders, for instance, or a Caleb Daniel, pick your favourite sort of top end uh, forward there. Um, and in order to do that, you might not be able to afford a Grundy and you might like the idea of going Gorn because you believe that, you know, if he goes back to that 105, 110, that might get close enough to match it with an English or a Marshall. And there's a, a trade that you don't have to worry about down the line. So again, I think what uh, you know people need to do is, is look at guys like, you know, say Grundy versus a Cherry, use that as an example. And you, you kind of pair up a couple of players and, you know, for example, you can go, look, do I like Grundy plus a Guthrie or a, a Cherry plus a Walsh, for instance, or a Newcomb, for yeah. instance, or, 
do I like a Grundy plus a, a Taylor Adams? You know, they've obviously got the same buy, but compare that to a Cherry plus a Flanders, for instance. So again, the second sort of um, deciding factor might be where it, you know, where else you might want to spend your money and you can you know, replace those players with whoever you like, really. But they're sort of some of the, the, the a couple of the decisions um, that might help determine whether you, you know, choose a Grundy or a Cherry. And look, obviously, the um, or a Gorn, of course. And the third one, obviously, is the buys. Yeah, and it's huge. That's a real big one because obviously Sydney have the round five buy. They share that buy with the Pies and they do share that buy with some other, you know, pretty popular players at the moment. You're looking at guys like Taylor Adams, James Jordan is someone a lot of people are hot on, maybe a Matty Roberts. You know, he's been reportedly training off a off a halfback, see if that role sticks. You've got a Finn McGray who apparently tore it up in today's intra-club, so he's going to be very popular. Reef McInnes is another one who's um, supposedly been doing, you know, really well. And, of course, um, you know, big Nick Dacos, you know, and mm. so, you know, apparently half the comp have him. So... How many of those guys, you know, all sharing that round five bide can you conceivably start? And making some decisions around that might also determine who you choose to start out of all of these rucks. I 100% agree. What happens at round five? Has James Jordan, if he's in the best 22, which I think is a genuine conversation you can have and we'll know at least in part through the opening round, that's the benefit of these value guys. We get a look and see before we then jump into the season proper. But has, has he made enough money for you? Has Taylor Adams made enough money for you? Has McRae made enough money for you? Has Roberts made enough money for you? And then you've got those premiums of a, of a Dacos and even a Goulden. I know some are, are really quite bullish on, on being able to start him. How you value these value selections alongside what you want to do in this ruck line is incredible. When you think of a player, if I said to you, Vams, there's a, in the first 12 weeks of a season, you can have a player for 10 weeks of the year. Most people would go, I don't want that. But I don't think it's as simple as that, though, is it? There, there's some nuance that needs to be picked up. Yes, he's got two buys in the first 12 weeks, but it's not as simple as he's only playing 10 of the 12, therefore I'm out. I agree. It doesn't mean you're necessarily out, but it is a factor. And and as we just said, it is something it is something that we do need to take into account. Um, you know, I, I there's obviously no getting around that early buy. You you could obviously make an argument that if you think he's gonna go 105-ish, that becomes a very low priority trade that you feel very comfortable then carrying him all the way through to his mid-season buy. Um, obviously an alternative option in someone like Max Gorn, um, you know, a little bit more expensive, no doubt, but yeah, he also has an early buy. So, you know, but it's absolutely a reasonable argument. If I'm being honest, I'm not sure I've heard enough people having this debate, which is, are you going to get a reasonable leg up on the comp if you decide to go with two rucks that don't have a buy? Yeah. Mm. And so in those round, round, you know, round five, round six buys where it seems like most people at the moment, at least, seem to be rolling with a Gorn plus Grundy um, duo, and particularly if there's no viable R3, um, you know, maybe in, in a Conway or obviously a Jordan Sweep, for instance, you know, is it is it feasible for you to go, you know what, I'm not going to worry about those early buys. I'm happy to load up on some of these other, I'm, I'm going to go get a Nick Dacos instead, or I'm happy to load up on some of these other round five guys. 
and roll with a, a Marshall plus a Cherry. I've then got a, a fantastic captain option. We know that the Ruck scores tend to stay very, very um, sort of consistent from year to year, uh, particularly at the top end. We know that rucks tend to have a much higher floor. They can't be tagged. Their role is not subject to change typically as well. Maybe you do want to start someone like a, an, an English or a Marshall um, for that real safe sort of high-end captain option early on as well. So I do think it's a legitimate conversation to say, look, he does have those, you know, Everyone's got one buy, but he's he's obviously mm. got that early buy as well in Grundy, of course. And I don't want to I don't want to wear that. And I'm happy to pass up that value in the ruck line, pay up for a ruck that does not have a buy, and then go and search for value in another line instead. I think that's a fair sort of argument to make. I absolutely think it is. It's I'll take the value of Adams. I'll take the value of those two cows in McRae and Roberts. I'll take the value of if Jordan makes it in. I'll go that approach. And I'll minimize the absence of options available to me. I'll spread the risk in other selections and I'll bank myself in because it's it's not just the potential upside of Grundy. It's what's the gap between your expectation of Grundy versus what these top-end rucks will do? What's the separation of Grundy to English, to, to Marshall, and, and to what do you believe Gorn does? And then the money you save on that can you redistribute that allocation of funds to make up that points differential, knowing that if you don't trade Grundy out at some point in the year, you're going to be potentially neutral or losing points every week? And can you afford that? Alongside, if you think Marshall and English, let's just say last two's top two, stay as the top two. I think it's a bit of a different conversation in Supercoach. Um, yep. I think Gorn's really shown that he's got 130-plus potential in him, and it wouldn't shock me if he goes 125-plus across that format. So I think you can put him in the mix there in Supercoach. 110, sure. He's done that before in AFL Fantasy. But to me, I look at that and go, how long do you want to be without the big dogs if there is a 10, 15 points per game separation? Because... Round 12 by for Grundy, gosh, that's hard to trade him out there knowing that Marshall and also English are about to head into their buys. And now you're almost two-thirds of the season without potentially the two best rucks. So it is a bit more delicate than I think we're doing of just switches. Oh, his value. I'll get through round five and I'll eventually make the trade. I think, like you said, there needs to be a little bit more nuanced reflection, planning and conversation. And as you mentioned, it's why he's not number one most relevant for me, because I feel like the conversation about who's at number one, which I think we all know who it is now, um, is a really big season defining pick. Whereas Grundy, incredible potential value, but there's a world where you go, I'm going Cherry and I'm going Marshall. I'm going Cherry and I'm going Gorn. I'm going Cherry and I'm going English or any of the other combinations of those four names. And you go, oh yeah, I get it. And you can fade Grundy because of the buys, because you don't think that upside is as high as maybe others do. As, as brilliant as Grundy is as a selection, and we'll talk about the ownership briefly in a moment, he's not the lay down Mazare, just pick him, don't think anything out of it. There is more to the story than what meets the eye. Look, you're right. And I think you've, you've made a very, I think, like a really important point there in terms of how the buys line up. Um but he is so much value. And yeah, that's incredible, knows, isn't it? And this is the thing, is that 
I, I trust me, I have put teams together with Marshall and Cherry, for instance, because I'm like, you know what, during this round five, round six buy period, when everyone's scrambling to try and um, you know, field a best eighteen without uh, without one of their rucks. I'm gonna I'm gonna lob in a marshal and put him as captain. And it's just that it's so hard to spend up at that price when you've got a guy here that, like, in all probability, not just if this goes well and if that happens and what if this guy is in. No, in all probability, has thirty points per game, uh, thirty points of upside in him. Yeah, and yeah. it's just it's just not that often each year that we get a guy that that so clearly has 25 to 30 points of upside in them. And like, there's always speculation and this guy might break out and that it's just rare that we have someone again, that it's just, it, we, we're expecting it to happen. And my fear, whilst I agree with you, I think it's important to have a conversation about how you can potentially not start him. Mm. You also have to understand what the risk is of not starting him. And Correct. maybe that's a good segue into what his current ownership is. And look on the website um, itself, it says he's 51% owned. If you go on a, a very nice website called Bit In That, um, you'll see what uh, what they describe as their sort of adjusted ownership. And what they do then is they look at all the teams that have actually been completed. So they're not empty teams or half the team missing, et cetera. And they look at what is the ownership amongst coaches that have a completed team at the moment. And amongst those teams, his ownership is actually 75%. And it hasn't really changed much since the game has opened. You can see a graph there. So that leads me to, I mean, that highlights that people have just kind of, put him in and they basically have forgotten about it for the, for the reasons that we've already talked about. But, you know, coming back to like, you know, will it hurt you or not? But if you do choose someone like a Marshall, for instance, or, sure. you know, even a Max Gorn, for instance, um, you know, take, take let's compare Grundy and Gorn, for instance, right? So Please. you look at, I mean, Gorn's currently about $150,000 cheap, uh, more expensive. Um, in AFL Fantasy, yep. In AFL Fantasy, excuse me. And that equates to about 17 to 18 points per game difference. Yeah. And so you really ask yourself, is is like is Gorn really going to outscore Grundy by 17, 18 points? Look, it's possible. I doubt it. I I, I don't really see, barring injury, of course, how that, that's going to happen. And so the the question you always got to ask yourself when you're starting someone like a, a Gorn or, you know, we've, we've used Marshall as an example in lieu of a Grundy is, what if you start them and they go at, 105 106 and Grundy's also going at 105 106 and you know those other teams have you know spent way less they've able they've then able to use that spare cash on another player who you know all things being equal should outscore your equivalent player at that uh, same position for instance and that's when you start to get behind and that's why I think it's so hard I think to to fade Grundy it's not just that he's got high ownership but uh, you know, the high ownership in itself doesn't bother me. The thing that scares me is that when there's high ownership and there is such a, a real scenario where the guy can come out and just go berserk out of the blocks and you're well behind because of that. He's got 60 plus percent ownership in Dream Team and Super Coach across all the formats. He's top five most owned overall at under 500K in Super Coach and under 700K in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. I want to ask you this question at that price tag. It's rhetorical, but you probably should think about it. Who is someone under 500K in Super Coach and under 700K in AFL Fantasy that you know, not you project, that you know has got the capacity to clear a 105 average 
when fit and healthy, with relative ease. And why would you choose to fade that when you're then, by fading it, forcing yourself to either pick into another player at that same price range with a highly likely less probability of hitting that spot or structurally you're increasing risk by adding a cow onto the field and or another premium option and forcing yourself into potentially a weaker cow selection. To, to me, I look at Grundy and you put everything together. And then I remember back to the episode when we spoke with Pig Mentality around Rowan Marshall, and he mentioned that the SCG is one of, if not the best scoring grounds for Ruckman, given how much that game and ground is so tight and narrow, how many Ruck contests and stoppages we see. I just see every element about how Sydney play, the improvement that this will bring for Supercoach, the incredible midfield he's got at his feet. You think of a Warner, you think of a Goulden, you think of a Mills when he gets back, you think of a Parker, uh, like A-list caliber players. And then you go the high probability of proven performer at this price point. I find it really hard to ignore this gift horse. Can you? You absolutely can. There's a way where you don't pick him, but gosh, Vams, it really feels like you're working against the grain to not start him. It's viable and it's valid, but it does feel like you're working against the grain just because you deliberately want to create separation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I think that's the that's the thing, isn't it? And, and trust me, I, I think my personality type typically likes to run away from the more popular sort of consensus, either view, views or, or picks, for instance. But look, can I answer your question? Or how can you perhaps not start him or why wouldn't you start him? And I I, I would say there's a, s- a scenario where you don't start him because of you like, like you really like a whole bunch of those other round five guys, yeah, um, including perhaps a Nick Dacos, and you can't justify having a, a someone expensive like Nick Dacos plus a Taylor Adams plus, uh, you know, a a Brody Grundy all on their buy at this on the on the same week, but perhaps that maybe you are very very high on on Tristan Cherry and maybe you think yeah. he can go ninety five plus and uh, that would not shock me, um, and maybe you'd rather go a Tristan Cherry and as I've said before a top dog ruck in either an English or a Marshall to one avoid the early, the early buys but also two to lock in you know, what I would consider a relatively safe early captain option, which, mm. you know, in the early rounds where we're still getting to know who are the easy matchups, who are the hard matchup, which teams are going to tag, which are not, um, you know, the early rounds can throw up some funny scores. So being able yeah. to put your, 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 your captain on a, on a big dog ruck can obviously, um, or can sometimes sort of take away some of that risk. Um, so maybe you want to roll with a Tristan Cherry and one of those big rucks, and look, you, you've just mentioned it as well. Maybe you deliberately go, you know what, to win the Hilux, I need some things to really go my way. And one or two sort of key decisions that everyone um, is on, 
I'm going to go off and I'm going to yeah. hope it goes my way. And if that happens, I've got a big leg up. And, we, you know, I mentioned perhaps you know, not, you know, and I'm not just talking about an injury. Obviously, we don't hope for an injury, but obviously, if you don't have, um, you know, if you don't have Grundy and, and he gets injured, yeah, you're going you're to have a big leg up. You can say that about anyone, but it's also a little bit more strategic than that in terms of, you know, avoiding some of those early buys, et cetera, et cetera. But as you rightly pointed out, um, you know, even though there's some reasons why you might choose to fade him, in reality, he is one of the most underpriced guys that we have in the comp this year. There's usually a few of them, if that, each year, and you've often just, you've got to start these guys and build your team around that. Um, and I think you really have to have an extremely good reason to not select him and, and also just ask yourself, are you simply getting um, you know, too cute by not selecting him really? Because you know what, as I said, if he comes out and has a flyer, you know, it's kind of chasing your tail a little bit. The beauty is we do get a look and see an opening round. With them having that round five bye, we do get to have a look and see, which means we'll know at least in part what he's got to do in terms of how much money he's making early with that accelerated price movement that we'll see across the formats given they've played that additional week early. The score won't count to his overall scoring, but it will count to his overall price movement. So we'll get a look and see. I, I don't see that Sydney Swans structure doing anything other than putting him back where he was predominantly at Collingwood, which is lead ruck dog. And there's going to be a chop out here and there from another key position forward. That, that's all that's happening. He's an additional midfield beast. He'll add some nice dynamics to this Sydney side. And he's a fascinating guy, Vams, to consider about where he goes on draft day because we know salary cap hype does inform at least the community of interest in general. And people do know, even if they're not a high draft, you know, kind of IQ player, they do know Grundy at his best can be the top scorer across the format. So in AFL fantasy, there are really four rucks that I think a lot of people are prioritizing. It's English, it's Marshall, it's Gorn and Grundy. For you, where does he sit in that four? Is he sitting fourth overall or is he maybe potentially got the potential to go a little bit higher from your perspective? Yeah, I'd personally rank him fourth amongst those four. I think, uh, you know, if you look at tiers, you'd have, you know, Marshall and and, and Gorn in, in the top tier. I think in draft, the strategy that I, it depends, like you go into these drafts, you've got to have some idea about what you want to do at the ruck position. And if you want one of the, like the top dog rucks, you're going to have to take them very, very early. And, you know, in, and I think the general approach is either you take one of these top dogs or, or, you know, or top four, I should say, or kind of wait till later in the draft. But I think the trigger to taking Grundy would almost be, if you really wanted, you know, a, a top ruck that is, would be as soon as Gorn goes off, don't get cute and be like, I'll, I'll wait for him next round. I think you just take him with your next Grundy, that is with your next pick once uh, you know once Gorn grows, because I think that's going to be the the general consensus in terms of order. It's going to be English, then Marshall, um, then Gorn, and then Grundy. And as I said, if you want one of those four, I think as soon as Grundy goes, uh, sorry, as soon as Gorn goes, you're probably going to find um, Grundy going imme almost immediately afterwards. So if that's your pick, then you're probably going to have to nab him or perhaps wait till later in the draft to get another ruck. But, you know, I would put him in a very similar tier in, in terms of, um, you know, for, for draft, a, a similar tier to Gorn, to be honest. Yeah, definitely an AFL fantasy. I think it's super coach. 
um, those top three that you mentioned are, are really there's interchangeable argument that any of Gorn, Marshall and English deserve that top spot. I think historical recency bias should rightly give that to English, but Gorn can absolutely surge quickly. Is Grundy fourth? I, I think as a common ADP, the answer will be yes, but it won't take much for Sean Darcy to nudge his way through. Even in that ruck-sharing role, we know that hit-outs to advantage rule, the score involvement chains that Darcy can get involved in, he can be a beast in that format. So I think Grundy's kind of fourth overall in terms of how I would rank them out across all the formats. But in Supercoach, if someone said, no, I'm bullish on Darcy, even with a Luke Jackson in the side, I'd, I'd kind of incline my ear and go, I agree with that. Hey, Vams, absolutely been a pleasure spending time with you during the 50 most relevant. And yet again, on this episode, you've done a great job helping us unpack the narrative of why you could find a way to fade Grundy and just how relevant he is for us. Uh, where can we get in touch with you across social media? I know you'd post and stuff every single day. Where can we get in touch with you, mate? Yeah, just uh, you can come and find me on uh, on Twitter. Um, my handle is uh, just fantasy nut at fantasy nut underscore AFL. And uh, I just usually uh, post some general thoughts and musings there. So you can find me there. It's fantastic, specifically around the areas of AFL fantasy, but there are some parallels and learning for you in Dream Team and Supercoach. We've put his uh, Twitter handle or X handle in the description of this episode, so you can go along and follow him there. It's got all the details of where you can get in touch with all the other members of the coaches panel as well. If you're loving these audio podcasts, the good news is wherever you get your audio podcasts, you can find us. Just simply search for the coaches panel and you'll be able to find us, subscribe and give a five-star rating. Well, we're over on YouTube as well. Every single day of the preseason, we're dropping brand new video content. Yep. Even after the 50 most relevant is done, which is only one more day, there's still something new for you every day in the preseason. Subscribe, make sure you've got those notifications on. So as soon as an episode is live, you will be notified to your device. So there's one player left to go in the 50 most relevant. It's not Finn McGuinness. So let's not get too excited. Well, that player might be a reason that people are a little bit scared off who I've got at number one. So no one's shocked by it. And I think if we're all honest, we kind of think about it and go, yeah, I get it. Because there's a world where if you start him and he just does what we know he's done for the better part of the past 40 games of AFL, you'll just never find a price point to get him that feels like it's value. And he took the season away from you quickly last year, and he could well do it again. Equally, there's a pathway where there's some challenging matchups, and there's a buy. And starting him, man, you could be really dropping 100, 150,000 more than you should to be able to get him. So, why is he the most relevant player? I think people on both sides of the conversation about start or fade him feel really valid in their approach. We're going to have a really good conversation tomorrow talking about the most relevant player, how I think even in starting him or fading him could define the success or failure of your 2024 season.